especially when you're newly divorced, don't rush into dating. Professional experts like psychologists and things, they would say at least wait a year. And what about friendships? Why have you written another book about this topic? In my 40s, I started to realize, wait a minute, I don't really know if these are good friends. What differentiates a true friend from a friend that is just pretending to be your friend for whatever kind of reasons? A true friend will listen to you. <laughs> a true friend will respect you and they will be there for you as much as you're there for them. It's not all one-sided. It's two-sided. <laughs> Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. On your Medium profile and your self-introduction article, I have read that you write to offer hope and encouragement. To whom that <laughs> encouragement is mainly aimed for? Um, well, it's it's basically for anyone that's brokenhearted, but specifically anyone that has been through divorce and needs hope that there is hope on the other side or anyone that has been through a friendship breakups or just uh, spiritual confusion, um, basically those type of things. Uh, from what I have read, most of your articles as well as your books uh, focus around the topics related to relationships, whether it be friendships, uh, dating, divorce, any kind of relationships in general, that is probably your niche and expertise. Yep, I think it is. <laughs> If you don't mind me asking, what made you interested in this domain of uh, inquiry? Well, uh, I myself have been through divorce. Um, I was divorced um, in 2011 after an almost 13-year marriage, so um, recovery was a real struggle for me. I, have, I eventually found healing, and um, I'm now remarried and have a really good marriage. Um, and I was able to get a second chance at love and do things right. <laughs> so, and then I've also had struggles with friendships. And so it's basically my life experience. My, what I've been through is, has been the inspiration for what I write about. Well, in this case, maybe let's begin speaking about divorce because uh, that was the topic of your first and also your third book. So it, it's not just like the beginning, but it also got repeated. So it seems to be a very important uh, point in your writing. So for people who are experiencing divorce and people who are going through this process, what could be some advice? Uh, of course, it would be best if the person took the book and read it whole, but maybe some nuggets of advice that could come from the author. Yeah, one thing that I um, really stress, stress in both of my divorce recovery books is um, when you're, especially when you're newly divorced, don't rush into dating, like mm. give yourself time to heal before you, um, rush into dating. Cause I've heard of stories where people did rush into dating and it didn't go well. And then, and then you also have another layer of hurt to heal. So it's just, it just kind of, it might take the loneliness away, but it just, it's not. It's not advisable. And I'm not expert. I'm not an expert, but experts, I should call, maybe I should call myself an expert, but um, <laughs> <laughs> professional experts like psychologists and things, they would say at least wait a year. For me, I didn't date for nine years. And my oh. husband waited a long, he was divorced as well. And he, I think he, his, uh, he waited quite a number of years too. 
So, I mean, it doesn't always take that long. It depends on the situation. It might take a year. It might take a little less. Like, you have to do what's right for you, but just don't rush into dating. And and another really big piece of advice is, like, if you have hard emotions, don't run from them. Feel them. Because I ran from them <laughs> for a while. And so I might have healed quicker had I not run from them, <laughs> the scary emotions. So... That those are the biggest pieces of advice, of advice I would give about divorce recovery. But for most people, I believe uh, seeking out another relationship is a way of comforting themselves and also not looking at the hurt and the negative feelings. So if a person feels like he cannot handle the immensity of the feelings that he or she has, what could be some good advice for him or her to deal with them better if we could use this word for right. the lack of a better one right um journaling is an option like you can you can journal what you're feeling and thinking and there's always professional counselors sometimes it, it might take a while to find the right one um but when you find a good counselor they're very helpful in helping you process grief and just find safe people you can talk to just don't keep those emotions and feelings bottled up what could be a good balance between actually looking at what you're feeling and what you're experiencing, but not getting too much tangled up in it? Should a person maybe also start something, another kind of an activity, uh, maybe something yes. outdoors? That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, like take up a new hobby. Like don't always be concentrating on your feelings. That's a very good point. Um, throw some fun in there, <laughs> too. So yeah, feel your feelings, but don't wallow in them. Don't only feel your feelings. <laughs> like have your live your life as well. And 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 you might not be able to do this right away, but try to feel hope for your future. Because divorce isn't the end. It might feel like it. It actually for many people, it's a new beginning. Mm -hmm. So perspective. But yeah, you made a really good point. So there is definitely the rough patch uh, when you want to just kind of uh, hurl into a bubble and uh, stay at home uh, without yeah. seeing the brightness of light. But maybe after the initial phases, when the intensity of emotions start to decrease a little bit, you can start uh, exploring the world once more without uh, seeking right. new relationships as a must <laughs> immediately. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that's of course, right. <laughs> talking with people, meeting people, thats uh, I believe that's also redemptive in a way if, it, it if the connection you build is true. Right. And especially if you have like common values. And... and what about friendships? Why have you written another book about this topic? Yeah, well, um, I grew up um, with um, basically this... A particular group of friends and I had them in my life up until my 40s and in my 40s I started to realize wait a minute I don't really know if these are good friends and so I started to question many not all of them many of my friendships and um, after divorce I started to gain self-respect and I started to realize I don't have to put up with this bad behavior. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I made the difficult decision uh, after much thought and 
um, talking to counselors, talking to family, um, to distance myself from these people. And um, it was very difficult and confusing. And because, I mean, there's books on relationship break, I mean, like divorce breakups and romantic breakups, but there's not necessarily a lot of talk about breaking up with friends. It's just as, you know, it's just as much a loss as anything else. So I wanted to um, have a leave a guide for other people who might be going through what I went through and because it's confusing. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> like you do, but it's like, yeah, but I've had these friends my whole life. Like, shouldn't they always be my friends? Like I never imagined I wouldn't have them in my life, even though they weren't the best for me. So that's what, that's where this last book comes from. So what differentiates a true friend from, let's say a friend that is just pretending to be your friend for whatever kind of reasons. So what, what makes a true friend? Um, well, a fruit, a true friend will listen to you. <laughs> a true friend will respect you. Um, like if you have just say, I mean, and this happens in all relationships, but just say a particular friend does something that you didn't, you found hurtful and say, you confront that friend and they turn it around on you and say, Oh, if you don't like that, just don't hang around me then. So a true friend would actually listen and, Oh, maybe, maybe my behavior needs to change. Like, and then I would be the same way for them. Like if they told me something they didn't like, I would consider what they said. I wouldn't just brush it off. So true friends consider what the other person is saying, even if it's not always hard to hear, even if it's not always easy to hear, I mean. And um, a true friend will um, encourage you and they will be there for you as much as you're there for them. It's not all one-sided. It's two-sided. <laughs> I remember one of my friends from Ireland uh, some years ago, maybe five or six, seven years ago, we were also talking about friendships. And I, at that time, was curious about what is a friend in, in general. I also had a similar issue, as you have just uh, mentioned. And he used a very good phrase that I still remember that actually he borrowed this one from Aristotle. Uh, when he said that a true friend is a person that cares for your soul for its own sake. And uh, I really like this That's kind of definition. Good. That's good. But the problem is that uh, when you start changing friendships on this kind of meter, uh, you see that most of the relationships you have fall short. And uh, right. in, in this kind of case, what to do for a person that realizes that maybe the other person don't care for their soul, for their own sake. Um, one thing I mentioned in my book, um, and this is important too, like you don't have to necessarily go all of a sudden like doubting all of your friendships because there are different levels of friendship. Like there's someone that you might just hang out with to go to, um, to do an activity with or to have dinner with. You're not necessarily like super close friends, but if you're super close friends, you start questioning them. Um, buy my book. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, like, um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, just uh, like do some soul searching and, and kind of review the, the history of the friendship and see maybe they've always been like that. And you just kind of let it slide and, and maybe compare them to other friends or, 
Yeah, just do real, because that's what I did. I did real soul searching. I had to really figure out, like, were these really good friends or not? And I did, of course, searching on the internet, too, sometimes. Like, I searched toxic friends and all this stuff. And... But I think this is a very good topic uh, that you have written about, because from what I hear and also experience, um, I think it's just in the air that many people are experience experiencing a drought when it comes to friendships. Uh, it, right. It, in some way, some people don't really find friends anymore. And in many popular beliefs, it is said that when you reach a certain age, maybe when you're out of high school or out of university, making friends becomes harder. Has that been your experience as well? Or is this just uh, some kind of a false cliche? Um, I don't think it's necessarily false. Um, uh, I Actually, the friends um, that I have met that are actually good friends <laughs> um, have been through church, churches. Um, and so I think it's still possible to find good friends. Um, I think one key is, is looking for them in like a place where the people that you'll meet have similar values to you. I think that's a key. Or at least that's in my experience anyway. Not that people with similar value, similar values automatically get along, but it definitely helps. And uh, also, uh, one book that is uh, missing from our discussion at the moment is Stop Sitting When It Comes to Love, Wise Dating Practices for Women. Right. What is that about? Of course, it's right. implied in the name already, but please elaborate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I was young, I needed that book <laughs> right. um, because I made, I made poor choices. I made poor choices with my first husband, but even before that, um, I was looking for love, but I settled and, and not like I was perfect or anything because obviously I wasn't communicating what I needed necessarily. And I wasn't necessarily communicating my values either in these relationships but um yeah i i needed a guide to show me like you don't have to it's better to be alone for a while than to settle for a bad relationship or to settle for someone that's not the best for you and especially if other people can see like oh this relationship isn't so good for you and sometimes you still ignore that advice like yeah i definitely needed that book I, i've written all these books for my my past self <laughs> and, and for others who are going through what I've been through. I see. And of course, as you have mentioned, if other people and maybe not just one person, maybe a couple of friends or relatives start seeing that uh, this person doesn't seem like this is the right person for you. Uh, most people actually brush, right. it, brush it off and just they say, well, what the hell do you know? Yep. You know? And, uh, right. <laughs> but in a way, it's like one of the first red flags that is out there. What kind of other red flags can be there? Well, if the person is more concerned about themselves than, than you, if you want everything their way, if they um, disrespect you in their speech, if they um, maybe they're like verbally abusive to you, 
maybe they try to isolate you from your friends and family. These are a little on the extreme side, but I think they're very common. And uh, so those are some red flags. And if if you get the sense that they're um, not faithful, um, sometimes you just have a sense about (laughs) things. Um, Yeah, when, when you don't, even if you don't trust the person, even if you can't, Put your finger on why. That's a big red flag. <laughs> Understood. Uh, because relationships are definitely one of the most complicated and unpredictable domains of life. You can predict yeah. the rise, the angle of rising sun, but you can definitely not predict the thought of another person, the mind of another. No. No. But um, one thing a counselor once told me is the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if you're dating someone who's exhibiting poorer qualities and you think, oh, but they'll change, they probably won't. <laughs> not that change, not that people never change, but because they do. But anyway, so I've heard someone say, or I've read a quote that says, if someone shows you their true colors, believe them. <laughs> That's another way to say it. Should you always listen to the opinions of other people? when it comes to friends or relationships? No, I, I wouldn't think that. Actually, and that when I first met my husband, um, some people were concerned. Like two, two people in my life had concerns. But then I had other people that were like, oh, yeah, he's amazing. Like, keep going with this relationship. So sometimes you have to just let it play out and and see how it goes and, like, consider the whole picture. So and in that case, in this case, the two people who were had some concerns weren't right. And actually, a couple people in my husband's life had concerns about me, and they weren't right. So no, that's a good point. The concern of a family or friend is not always correct. If it's not too personal, uh, what kind of concerns mm-hmm. did those two people have? Yeah, um, so um, for the people in my life, my husband... Um, is part of a church that was a different denomination than the one I was going to. So they were concerned I was going to get sucked into false teaching. Not at all, it turns out. But that's that's what they were concerned about. And then um, the, the people in my husband's life were concerned about things like my... I, I'm older than him. They were a little bit concerned about the age difference. I'm not that much older, but um, so... Those are, are some examples of the different of the concerns that were had in our situation. They did melt away eventually. Those people don't have those same people don't have those concerns anymore. So, in your regard, it seems like everything has played up, played out well. Uh, you have met a wonderful person with whom you built a relationship, and uh, now you are happily married. But uh, I believe that mm-hmm. many people. Even people in their 30s after a divorce or maybe not even after a divorce, maybe about after a failed relationship, believe that they will never find a life yeah. partner because they are too old or because it seems at least yes. to me that this kind of mindset is fairly common. Uh, what would you have to say to people who are doubting? Well, I used to actually one of the reasons um, that I married my first husband is because not that I, we didn't have some level of love but i'm like well i'm never going to find anyone else so in that way i settled 
but yeah, little did I know <laughs> there was someone else down the road. Um, so maybe try to keep a little window of hope open in your heart if, if you're feeling doubtful. Um, and even if, if, if you don't want a relationship, not everyone does just feel hope that, you know, something, there's good things in your future, like maybe a, a new career or who knows. Um, it's good to shift your mind from negative to positive. <laughs> Understood. And speaking about future, is there a fifth book uh, somewhere residing in the, in the backspace of your imagination? Yes, there is. Actually, there's two more, three more. <laughs> I told you, I, I, I can't get out. <laughs> Seriously. I have um, a Bible study book. Um, I haven't, it's, it's again, there were some articles on Medium that inspired it and I added to it and it's not quite ready, um, but that's in the works. I have a poetry book. A, lo a lot of these poems were on Medium and, um, but I probably need to take some off so people will <laughs> buy the book and not just go to Medium. But, um, and then I actually have an inkling. Well, I have a children's book written, written, but I, I would like to illustrate it and publish that too. So. How much time per day does writing take from you? And also, do you have a writing routine that you stick to or is more uh, based on inspiration? You can write three days, four days in a row and then skip like a day. Is there a routine that you have here? Um, I wouldn't say there's like a set routine. It's more like when the inspiration strikes. But on Medium, I do try to post a few times a week. I guess that's how I roll. <laughs> and then, and then when I'm working on a book, I spend a lot more time on the book than on medium articles. <laughs> Definitely. So it's not like you wake up at five 30 every morning, uh, do your morning routine, sit down for two hours, go walk the dog, come back at it. It's not like that. <laughs> no, no, it is not. <laughs> I am a routine driven person, but I do strangely enough. I don't have a set routine for writing. <laughs> And for people that might have uh, some ideas or some wishes to write a book in the future, but they feel like it might be such a long and arduous process, uh, maybe, maybe there's some comfort in your story uh, when you have written so many books in such a short time. And uh, maybe you have some right. advice for, for those kind of people that would like to write a novel, something uh, something a little bit more long content based uh, then let's see bits and pieces there is there some advice right well um like i said earlier like books these days don't have to be like 50 chapters long <laughs> um there's value in shorter books some people have shorter attention spans and so like don't like stress yourself out thinking oh my book has to be so many words or so many chapters like it doesn't um, and so maybe set your, set your book length goals a little, be flexible, I guess, with that. And, um, I've heard of other people writing books in a weekend from scratch. <laughs> so it does, it's not necessarily, um, as time consuming a process as you might think. Obviously you want to put proper amount of time in, in, in editing and, and I should probably be hiring an editor, but you don't actually have to. You can use tools like Hemingway Editor or Grammarly. 
and read it like over and over again. And anyway, there's there's tips and tricks on on streamlining the process. And when it comes to publishing, it seems like writing and editing is one marathon and publishing and advertising is a whole new one. As I have heard from one one popular writer on stoicism is when you finish writing a book, you feel like you have just finished a long marathon and you want to celebrate, but then they take you and you, they bring you to another line and they (laughs) shoot for you to start over again. So could you please speak a little bit about the publishing process as well? Um, Are there some things that people ought to know before they begin on it? Well, if you publish on Amazon, um, do you want, here's the question that they can ask themselves. Do you want um, to keep it only on Amazon or do you want the freedom to publish the book elsewhere? If you want to publish only on Amazon, look into if you're in the US or um, another country, uh, where are you at again? Uh, I'm at Portugal, in Portugal. Oh, wow. You're in Portugal. Okay, cool. You're in Portugal. Find out whatever country you're in, um, what the ISBN process is. What is Like in Canada, you don't have to pay to get IS, an ISBN. But in the U.S., you have to pay to get an ISBN. And when you get an ISBN, you can publish um, with your own ISBN on Amazon and anywhere else you want. So that opens up doors. I learned that after it, um, in the process of writing these books and, um, give yourself time to like, I, I did a pre-order once on Amazon and then I ended up canceling it because that was with the Bible study book that I haven't published yet. So maybe, um, seriously consider the pre-order arrangement and make sure that's what you really want. And then, uh, it is a little bit arduous, um, (laughs) getting the book, from the Kindle create software to the publishing platform. So it can be frustrating. (laughs) It's easy to get frustrated with that. So just being aware that it's possible to be frustrated in the process ahead of time is not, it's going to be, maybe it'll help you be less frustrated, but just expect some frustration, expect a learning curve because yeah, I've definitely learned a little bit more each time in the process. So two questions that I have uh, in this regard. First one for the people who are not very technically aware uh, of some terminology, mm-hmm. what is an ISBN? And the second question is, are you referring to the differences between having a Kindle version and then creating a paperback? Those are very good questions. So an ISBN, um, so if, if you have a paperback book and turn it around on the barcode, there's usually an ISBN. I, I'm not really honestly super familiar with what that does. I think it just, it's a way to say this book belongs to this number. And I'm sure there's, it's a called, it's an international, let me just look it up. I'm just going to Google it because I'm not a hundred. The international standard book number is a numeric commercial book identifier that is intended to be unique. Publishers purchase or receive ISBNs from an affiliate of the International ISBN Agency. An ISBN is assigned to each separate edition and variation except reprinting for of a publication. Mm, I get it. Yeah, I think I understand. It's like when you have an ID on a passport, it's like your book's ID, something like that. Yeah. 
It's like your your passport number. Yeah. So it's the book's passport's number. And uh, right, right. So so once again, you need an ISBN. Uh, so platforms can recognize that this is like the specific book that you have, and and right, yeah. And you need it whenever you switch platforms. Is that true? Um, well, if you, if you decide that you don't want to, if you only want to publish with Amazon, you can use, they provide a free ISBN. So you can use their free ISBN and keep your book only on Amazon. Mm -hmm. That is totally mm -hmm. fine. But if you want to put your book on other platforms like Ingram Spark or somewhere else, um, then you would need your own ISBN. Understood. So, so that's a technical thing that you have to know before considering of whether you want to select Amazon as your primary platform for publishing, or you want to go elsewhere. So that's the thing that people ought to have in mind. Right. And you were asking about, um, when I say it was talking about Kindle, I guess KDP, um, anyway, Kindle create is Amazon's software for up. Um, how do you say it? It's their software for putting your book in the proper format. It's a software for book formatting, mm -hmm. I guess. And you can download it free from their website. And once you have your book in that format, which is, is a little bit of a learning curve, but it's not that, it's not too bad. Um, you can either do the paperback version or the Kindle version or both. So you can do both with that one type of software. Ah, so it's sort of like when you are programming a website and you want to have a website for a laptop, you want to have a website for a tablet and you want to have a website for a mobile phone. So you have to have different kinds of layout and different kinds of chapters, probably it's something like that. So, so the Kindle version, you, mm -hmm. do, do you have to actually reorganize a little bit from how the Kindle version was? It's pretty much automatic. Um, once you upload it to the Amazon site, you need, you can preview it to make sure it looks okay. There are, there are very slight differences between paperback and ebook regarding that software. And I don't know if everyone does this, but for me, I create um, a version that is ebook and another version that is paperback. I don't know how other people do it. That's just what I've been doing. And that way I can, if there's any minor differences, then it's, they have their separate file, I guess. Well, as you have said, it's a learning curve and people might expect to encounter Definitely. some, some things that they did not know beforehand. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And maybe before we wrap up our today's talk, uh, are there any things in your mind that you would like to share with, uh, either people who are going through the processes that you have written about in your books or writers that are looking for inspiration and trying to get some advice uh, around writing, editing, and publishing? Well, if you're going through any type of relationship, relationship struggle, I want to encourage you that you're not alone. Um, and that's another reason why I wrote my books, because I wanted anyone who read it to feel that they were understood and not alone. So you are not alone and there is hope for a better tomorrow to sound cheesy. <laughs> but, um, and then as far as writing, 
Um, if you're a part of Medium, you can go to Medium and you can learn a lot of, of about editing and um, on Medium, there's a lot of articles there and also YouTube. Um, you can learn a lot about how to upload your book to Amazon um, from YouTube. I think that's where I learned how. And um, basically, uh, <laughs> there's so much information out there that can help. Like we're in a in a at a in a special time for authors who want to self-publish because there are so many free there are so many free resources. And and if you're looking for a cover, um, I have used Get Covers. Um, they're based out of the Ukraine, actually, and they do really awesome work and for very reasonable prices. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on a book cover. So that's just a little plug for Get Covers. <laughs> so Get Covers, it's G-E-T Covers. Okay, I'll probably put a, a link to, to these covers in the episode right. description afterwards as well, together with the context of yours and also uh, the, the links to your books. Okay. And actually I do have an affiliate for get cover, so I can send you that if you want to put that link in there. Cool. So if anyone listens to this and like, Hey, I want to try get covers, then I'll get a small commission at no extra cost to you. <laughs> sure. Sure. Why not? I'll put that specific link there. Thank you. And, okay. and also for the people that wish to connect with you, uh, maybe they want some advice or counseling on the topics that you have written about, or just they just want to chat. Where yeah. could they do that? Well, um, they can find me on Facebook. If if they if they search for Jenny Alexander author, they can find me there. I'm also on Instagram at a wise writer. A wise writer. A wise writer, yes. <laughs> um, I don't offer counseling per se, but interestingly, I do have a counseling degree in my background. But I, I mean, I could, I could listen or whatever. But yeah, so that's how you can find me. So for now, I believe that will be, that will be good for for this week. And uh, thank you for joining. It was very, okay. it was a big pleasure to talking to talk with you, Jenny. Yeah, it was great talking to you. I'm, I'm very encouraged and, and motivated to keep going. <laughs> That's good. And I will know uh, if there are any people that are going through some turmoil in terms of emotions relating to their friendships, relationships, or, or something else. I know to whom I can direct. Thank you. All right. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> All right, Jenny. Until next time. Until next time.